I'd like to give you all a, a warm welcome, whether you're, you're visiting us or whether you've been coming for many, many years. It's that following the pattern, isn't it, that our God set to have that day of rest, one in seven, and to come and worship and praise him and have time for him. That's so a welcome, whether you're here in the building or whether you're joining us online. I want to start by reading a few verses from Revelation chapter chapter 5, verses 11 to 13, and this will lead us into our first hymn. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power, and wealth, and wisdom, and might, and honour, and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing, and honour, and glory, and might for ever and ever. And as we sing our first hymn, our first song, notice the different characteristics of God that it refers to. Notice those different characteristics. In awe and wonder, Lord our God, we bow before your throne. Such holiness and burning love are yours and yours alone. Let's stand and sing.
If you want to open your, your Bibles or your app or read from the wall, we're going to look at God's Word in the book of James. So we're going to be in James and we're going to read quite a challenging passage from chapter 3 through to chapter 4 and verse 6. And as I read it, perhaps try and put yourselves into this passage and see how it affects you. Because that's what God's word should do to us, shouldn't it? It should be affecting us as we read it and as John preaches from it. James chapter 3 verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have So you murder. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have. 
because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And what a gracious thing we have, such a gracious God, isn't it? Well, we're going to have our next song. And this is a prayer, but it's, it's actually quite a challenging prayer. You know, we can sing Purify My Heart, and it talks about a refiner's fire. Many years ago, I was in a, a, a place where they melted down old cars, and we had pure iron coming out. And the process it went through of the hot um, fire, melting it and getting rid of the impurities, was quite challenging. Especially we think of 1 Peter 1, where the genuineness of our faith is being tried So that it's better than gold and better than silver. So as we sing these things through, it's a great thing to want, but it also comes with a challenge. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. Thank you. Let's stand and sing. that great God in prayer through our Lord Jesus our intermediate Father God we we come before you and we are thank, thankful for the Lord Jesus thankful he is there intermediating for us thankful that he is there purifying our prayers 
thankful that because of him, because of his willingness to be obedient to you, because of his willingness to die on the cross and to take the punishment for all those who would look to him in faith, Lord, we know that we can be purified. We can be forgiven for all the wrong we do. We know that we can be made ready, Lord, for when that day when you come again, Lord, that we can be ready to live on this new earth and this new creation. Lord, in that purity where there is no sin. Lord, we, can, we will join in with those thousands and thousands of angels around your throne now, singing you know, praise to your name, giving you honour, giving you glory. And we will be able to do it then without the corruption of sin in our lives. And Lord, we acknowledge that the old man inside us, our sinful natures, still fight and sin still breaks through in our lives. And we pray that, Lord, you would forgive us. We pray that you would give us a repentant spirit. Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be living in our lives. And Lord, we pray that we would see the fruit of him living in our life. Lord, as we seek to live loving you and serving you and doing your will. We ask for your help as Satan tries to trick us. As Satan tries to uh, get us to conform with this world. And Lord, sometimes we don't see it. Lord, we pray that you would make us wise in this world. That we would not be relying on human wisdom. Lord, we pray that we would have learnt from this morning to turn to you in all our ways rather than turning to you when we hit trouble. Lord, may our lives be lived in communion with you, communicating with you in that close relationship to you. And Lord, there may be some here who have no idea what I've been praying. We pray that perhaps this very night you would be merciful and gracious to you. We pray the Holy Spirit would be convicting them of their sin and pointing them to Jesus. We pray that tonight souls would come into your kingdom, that the kingdom of heaven would be enlarged as people are added to it. Lord, we also acknowledge that as we live in a sinful world, there is trouble all around us. Lord, our minds are very focused on Ukraine at the moment and the horrors and the terrors of what it must be like to live there. But we thank you that you are a God who is all-powerful. And Lord, we pray in mercy, Lord, that you would bring peace, that you would end this war, that you would stop this senseless killing. Lord, but we know you have a purpose and we don't know what that purpose is. And in your sovereignty and in your greatness and in your might, we will never understand that purpose maybe. But as we are hearing this morning, that Bibles are wanted in Ukraine. And we pray that people will be putting their lives under your word and under you. And that there may be this huge gathering of your people from Ukraine at this moment in time. And what a wonderful thought that would be. We especially ask for any Christians who are in Ukraine, that you be with them and that you'd strengthen them and their faith in this difficult time. We Remember those close to us who has lost loved ones recently. We remember those who have lost children. 
have lost husbands, those who have lost friends. And we pray that you would continue to be with them, that you would strengthen them, that you would support them, that you would be a comfort to them. And we pray that they would look to you as a comfort, that they would look to you for their strength, that they, their lives would be wrapped up with you and your love. We want to thank you for um, the ladies that heard Vicky's testimony on Tuesday. We pray that a seed would have been sown in their hearts and that any who do not know you uh, would want to ask the question, who are you? Why did you come? Why were you prepared to die? How does that affect me? Lord, we ask for souls to be saved. And likewise, we, we pray for the men's golf event coming up. We ask that there will be men who will be coming who you have preparing their hearts to want to find out more. Or that this will be the event that they are challenged to seek you. Lord, we are instruments in your work. Uh, and we pray that you would work and bring glory to your name and save souls. Lord, we thank you for the work amongst the children. We thank you for the work in the Sunday school and in Rooted. And we ask that from this very young age, Lord, you would change them. Lord, so they would not be caught up in this, in this world and the distractions that it offers but their future would be assured as they look forward to, to heaven and a time with you. We ask that you would be with the teachers and we ask we'd be with all those who prepare for uh, these, evangelistic work, these evangelistic works. Lord, help them in the busyness of life um, to be, find that quiet time where they can focus Lord, as they prepare to serve you in this way. Lord God, we... We pray that you'd give each of us opportunities, whether that's within our family, that, whether that's amongst our friends, whether that's in our workplaces or in our neighbourhoods, um, to be able to talk about you. And we pray that our lives would be as such that people would ask us about Jesus. Father God, we've been reading a, a challenging part of your word about the tongue. Lord, and we come in confession to you that there are times that our tongue, we say things and it causes trouble. Lord, we don't have complete control of our tongues. Lord, and we ask for your help. We've been reading about the pure wisdom that comes from heaven. And we pray that our wisdom would submit to your wisdom. And we'd look to you in our lives. We ask that you be with John now as he preaches to us, as he brings your word to us. Lord, may our hearts be open to be changed by what he says from your word. May the Holy Spirit impact us so that our lives become more like you through it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing our next song which is forgive our sins as we forgive. And, and in this song, you get our sinful natures coming with God's grace together. So notice that as we, as we sing the way God's grace meets our sinful natures and overcomes it. Forgive our sins as we forgive. You taught us, Lord, to pray. But you alone can grant us grace to live 
the words we say. Let's stand. book of James, towards the end of the Bible, uh, the little letter of James, just five chapters long, we're in chapter three uh, this evening. Uh, The places where waters meet uh, can be uh, choppy and turbulent, places of cross currents where seas meet. Uh, I think there are two notorious uh, and naval or shipping black spots um, around the world. I'm sure there are many, but two come to my mind. Uh, one is at the, the bottom of Africa, sometimes just called the Cape, Cape of Good Hope, or a little bit further down, Cape Gullas, if I've pronounced it right, place where oceans meet below Africa. And then another one, well, Terra del Fuego, Cape Horn, bottom of uh, South America. Again, the oceans meet at the, the tip of the continent, cross currents meeting together. Uh, there's a picture of uh, neither of those places, I don't think, but you can see two seas meeting and how different they are by the colour and a little bit of turbulence in the place where they meet. Well, in James chapter 3 we see cross-currents meeting. And they meet in our hearts. Verse 14. In your hearts. And there are two sorts of wisdom coming together, according to our passage this evening. Two sorts of wisdom which are, if you like, battling it out, meeting in our hearts, looking to influence and prevail. And I think that these verses, uh, six verses, is it, 13 to 18, James chapter 3, are really um, helpful, uh, insightful 
and challenging. I think it would be good for us to spend some time on this evening. I think it will help us to think about uh, about our relationships. Our relationships at um, work and in the family and with other Christians. It will help us to think in those relationships which wisdom is prevailing, guiding, influencing, uh, triumphing really in our hearts. I was set onto this uh, passage by watching a, a, a virtual conference, uh, the Biblical Counselling UK conference I've gone to sometimes. I, find, I think it's an excellent organisation. You've probably heard me mention it before, Biblical Counselling UK, seeking to bring a biblical perspective on, uh, on matters of, of counselling. And Stay Casey uh, spoke on this passage on that conference and it set me thinking. I thought this would be a good passage for us to be thinking about as a church. It would be good to help us to think about what's happening inside because that's one of the concerns of that organisation, to get down into our hearts and to sort of biblically look at what's happening there. So I want you to think this evening about your relationship with your friends especially any difficult relationships, or with your uh, family, or with your work colleagues, or uh, with your spouse, if you're married, or with your fellow leaders, or with Joe at the squash club, or Terry in the bungalow next door, or George, who's in your small group at church, wouldn't you be thinking, want us to be thinking about real relationships and dynamics? The passage starts with a question. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Well, as that's read, read out around the churches that it was delivered to, I wonder what the response, I wonder if there's anyone saying, well, I am, I'm wise and understanding. Some of them seem to regard themselves as teachers. Perhaps others were saying, oh, oh, he, 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 he's knowledgeable and understanding, or, or she is. There were people that were proud and rich that James was writing to. The equivalent of those who can um, quote books and who've uh, seen podcasts and who've gone on courses and who know the terms. But James immediately shows what sort of wisdom he has in mind in the second half of verse 13. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the weakness, in the meekness, sorry, of wisdom, in the meekness of wisdom. It's wisdom that's lived out and humble that he's especially concerned about. It's not just in the brain, it's in the behaviour. It's not puffed up, it's lowly. And then he carries on about two sorts of wisdom. What they're like and what they lead to. So let's follow his pattern of forethought. Firstly, we have this. We have hellish wisdom. It's quite a title, isn't it? Hellish wisdom. Describe wisdom as hellish. There's a a wisdom, a a way of thinking that's trying to capture your heart, which is 
sort of polluting. There's a, a way of thinking, a way of operating, a sort of set of motivations, and in verse 15, it's called earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It's from below. It's hellish. But he, he talks about it a bit because actually as we look at it, we can relate to it and realise that that is something that's influencing our hearts. That's, that's part of the cross current which comes into our, our hearts. And he gets us to think about what, what it's like. What's this like? And verse 14 tells us, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. And he says that again, doesn't he, in a couple of verses later, notice it. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. Bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, that's what it's like. Now there can be a good jealousy, In the next chapter we read that God is jealous and obviously that's a good jealousy. But most of our jealousy is twisted and it's bitter jealousy. Bitter jealousy. Some ambition is good. Some ambition is good. It's good to be ambitious for the gospel. It's good to be ambitious for others. It's good to be zealous for God. But often, too often, our ambitions are bad. They're selfish ambitions, like it's described here. They're self-willed and and self-promoting. So you have a sister and you think that she's a bit better than you in her her looks and her popularity and maybe her grades and deep down you, you resent it. You hate being overshadowed by her. You want to push her out the way and get the attention yourself, perhaps. Or you've got a co-worker who seems to um, put you down and disrespect you and you rage inside with rivalry. How dare they? Wait till I get my chance. I'll show them. Or you're in a team ministry but really you're obsessed with your contribution being the most noticeable, being the the talking point, being the main feature. Or you're married, and your wife or your husband, you, you can't bear them being right, and you wrong. You stubbornly resist it. You get sulky when it's happening. It's a bit close to home, some of us expect, aren't they? Bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, hellish wisdom, very me-centred, me-noticed, me-applauded, me-promoted. And you feel the currents of this in your heart, don't you? I do. It can affect the way you are at home and at work and in the leadership meeting. Or when you're just in your chair stewing over life and what's just happened. Hellish wisdom. And he goes on to where this leads. Where does this lead? Where's this lead? 
hellish wisdom. Well, James tells us what happens when that current prevails, when it sets the tone, when it it, it characterises our relationships. When the wisdom from hell prevails, well, verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. There'll be disorder, that is that there'll be a chaotic frenzy of fighting. There'll be scuffles, there'll be battles, there'll be unsettledness. You think of when James and John both want the the top places in Jesus' cabinet as they're seeing it, and the way in which it stirred them up, and all of the disciples are stirred up as well and angry with them. Disorder, chaos, because of a sort of a hellish, self-promoting wisdom. It leads to every vile practice, that is, it does bad things, it, it damages. You think of Cain and his envy and what it led to in terms of the way he treated Abel. And you know, this can be a very real risk for churches, can it? Surely not. Think of the New Testament church at Galatia and the way in which The dangers are described there in chapter 5 and verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I heard of a church where there were two deacons. The deacons were brothers, literal brothers. And they weren't on speaking terms. Deacons in a church, not on speaking terms. What did that do for the whole tone and atmosphere of the meetings and the ministries? Maybe seen as wise, knowledgeable, orthodox, well taught. But what's going on in our heart? And what's going on in our relationships? Sometimes we can be seen as as sound, theologically. But really we are, if you like, very unsound, immature in our relationships. Or you can take Corinth as well, as another example in the Bible. They were all keen there to demonstrate their gifts. It was a free-for-all. They were wanting to promote themselves and demonstrate what they could do over and above others. And the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not the God of confusion, but peace. Let all things be done decently and in order. So there's this, um, if you like, the Atlantic current. I think that's the case under Africa. The Atlantic current is a a cold current. This is a, a cold current, a polluted, dirty water that's coming into our heart, it's from below, it's hellish. and That's what it wants to do to our relationships, according to James. So what a relief to move on. And we go from hellish wisdom to heavenly wisdom in this passage. Heavenly wisdom. Wisdom from above, verse 17. Heavenly wisdom, but wisdom from above. So there's another current 
And uh, it's the warm current that the Indian Ocean apparently brings uh, the warmth, the warm water down to the Cape. So it's a warm current. It is a, a fresh current. It is um, a life-giving current. It is a pure current. Look, one of those looks purer than the other. This is a pure current. Heavenly wisdom. And James helps us to think about, well, what's this like? This heavenly wisdom. And we come to verse 17, and that's so very helpful. I think so is so very helpful. It's a, a good passage to be read by, yeah, by a Christian group of leaders. We had somebody read it at our elders meeting uh, recent months. It's great verses for us as elders, elders and deacons to be thinking about. It's a great verse to think about for a, a friendship. For a marriage, different weddings this year, which is a joy. So we're involved with some uh, wedding preparation. And as part of it, we uh, quite often read 1 Corinthians 13 with a couple. But as I was looking at this, I thought, well, this this verse 17 of James 3 is, is, is equally good for uh, a marriage. What is it like? Well, as he goes through, he gives it his chief characteristic. Firstly, verse 17 then, but wisdom from above is first pure. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. If you're rooted this morning, I think some of you were on to the Beatitudes. This would have been one of them. Great teaching of Jesus, isn't it? Blessed are the pure in heart. Wisdom from above is first pure. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it means there's good motives. Um, somebody's concerned really for what God wants, for what is right, for what will help others, for what will be best all round, not just for what suits me. It, it is pure. Wisdom from above is first pure. But other things follow on. And what a collection we have here. Let's just go through them. And I found it helpful, I don't know if you will, to try and think, well, what's the opposite? Um, what, what is it then not? It just helped me to sort of tune in. So as James carries on, but wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. So that's not, not provocative. It's not stirring. Peaceable. And then gentle. Well, what's that mean? It's not. It's not harsh. It's not hard. I remember um, talking through with somebody an, an email that I'd sent and um, looked at my email and he said, um, well, really... It was a bit terse, I don't know if you use that word, it's not a lesser known word, terse. So he meant it wasn't actually rude or violent or rough, but it was, it was, it was just too straight, it was um, too plain, it was, uh, lacked warmth, it, it was just abrupt, a bit, about, a bit abrupt, which you can, we can be, can't we, right? It was terse. So, so I hadn't really followed the wisdom from above in that email. It is 
I think this is a great phrase. Open to reason. Well, what does that mean? It's not then. If it's open to reason, um, it's not stubborn. It's not stubborn. This is one for marriages, isn't it? It's not stubborn. Another way in which it's translated is this. It's really helpful, I think, again. Willing to yield. Open to reason. Willing to yield. So we don't expect everyone to fall into our opinion. To do what we want. There's a a mutual submission it's interesting, isn't it, before you go on to the husband and wives passage in Ephesians 5, in verse 21 you get this submitting to one another out of respect for Christ. What else is it like? It says, full of mercy. Full of mercy. So what does that mean? It's not. Well, it's not... Um, it's not mean and uncharitable, full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial, impartial. So it's not, it's not biased, is it? Not biased to family, friends, our own interests. It's impartial. And what else is it lastly here? It's um, sincere. So that means it's not, not hypocritical, it's genuine. It's a great list, isn't it? We're going to come back to it, pray through it at the end, sort of privately. Great list. Uh, so heavenly wisdom and what it's like. And we're perhaps, perhaps we're thinking, uh, well, I hope they're listening. <laughs> well, I hope they're listening. And maybe you have somebody you'd like to nudge to make sure that they haven't dropped off. And perhaps you have nudged them. Sometimes it happens, and that people next to each other, will you listen to this? But can I also say, have you nudged yourself in a sense as we've gone through this? I suspect all of us need to be reminded of the battle that goes on in our hearts. And to be receiving the heavenly wisdom, avoiding the the hellish wisdom. We need that to captivate our hearts. You know, that New Testament church, which was in danger of that sort of um, jealousy and and harming one another. Galatians 5, also in that passage you get that wonderful description of the fruit of the Spirit, which is so much like heavenly wisdom. Galatians 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it made me think with thankfulness to the church I was at when I was a student, where um, the, the characteristics and the relationships and the outlook and the atmosphere of so many in the church... We're, we're drenched, if you like, with heavenly wisdom. And I look back with thankfulness at that example and that influence and that help that I had there. Where does that lead, then? James tells us that. 
Where's this lead? This heavenly wisdom. Where, where does this lead? What's the outcome? What's the product? Well, verse 18 is a, another beautiful verse. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It's described as a harvest. That's something good. It's something to celebrate. It's something to enjoy. It's a harvest of righteousness. That's what the crop is. It's a harvest of righteousness shown in peace. Well, what's that harvest of righteousness? Well, it's it's Christ-likeness and it's God-honouring lives and it's pleasing lives and it's healthy Christians and it's harmonious relationships and it's it's God-honouring churches and it's just lovely, it's great, it's what we want, it's what we pray for. That's what it leads to, those sorts of things. Are you reaping this sort of harvest in your relationships? Righteous, peaceful. Is that the right sort of wisdom capturing your heart? Um, in the conference message that I listened to, he, he gave a helpful illustration, actually, I found it helpful anyway, going back to Chariots of Fire. Maybe you've seen Chariots of Fire. It's actually a very good film. I know it's a little bit older now, but it's a really, uh, it's a very good film, and it's, it's based on historic truth of the 1924 Olympic Games, and it focuses on two characters, if you've seen it, and one of them is Harold Abrams. Harold Abrahams is somebody who's very driven and who must win and who must come out on top and he's ultra competitive and he gets the best coach and he can't tolerate the thought of not coming first. He's got to win. And the other character, the other runner in the field is Eric Little and he's a great runner too but he he puts God first. He's concerned for others. There's more to life than winning. He wants to be pleasing to God above everything. And um, in the, the talk, he said that it's really the two sorts of wisdom, the wisdom that must be first, that's competitive, that must come out on top, that must be in the limelight, and another one which has a higher calling and is concerned to please God, and there's a gentleness and a love for others, and there's not such a competitive rivalry involved. And he says those reflect the two sorts of wisdom. A Harold Abraham's wisdom, approach to life, approach to situation, approach, approach to meetings. And there's an Eric Little approach. And we have them both competing in our hearts. And you might ask which is prevailing, an Eric Little or a Harold Abraham's. And in our relationships and our dynamics and how we are. And in our churches, and the motivation, and the atmosphere, and the purpose, and Eric Little, Harold Abrahams, hellish wisdom, heavenly wisdom. Well, what can we do about this? Well, one of the things we can do is is ask according to James. When we come here, we challenge by this passage, we want to know where to turn, what to do. One of the things we can do is ask. It is 
wisdom from above. It is a gift from above. James has said in chapter 1 verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. He said in chapter 1 verse 5, especially facing stresses and strains of difficulty, if anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. The passage that we went on to read, Martin read for us, chapter 4, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, your passions are at war within you, you desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, this is hellish wisdom, so you fight and quarrel, you do not have because you do not ask, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now we can ask God, Lord I need heavenly wisdom in my family relationships with my brother, with my sister in our leadership group, at work with my neighbour please help me to have heavenly wisdom and please help me to kick out increasingly the hellish wisdom but another I think if we take the the general uh, pattern of James would be just to remember God's truth because it is the outworking of truth. So much about what James says is just remembering what God has said. You remember he says in one of them, in chapter um, chapter 1 I think it is, about the, the mirror, standing in front of the mirror, learning things about yourself and forgetting what sort of person you are. That's our problem. We forget what we hear about what we are and we forget what God is like and we forget what he has done and we forget that the Lord is the Lord of glory and we forget that he has wonderfully lifted us up and we forget that he humbles us and we forget that he is coming. And there's all of the wonderful truth in the gospel and if we remember that it shapes, affects our hearts and relationships. In many ways, it is like um, uh, the, the, the warm currents of, of heavenly wisdom It is fed, if you like, by the gospel ocean, not the Indian ocean, the gospel ocean. Gospel truth, and as we take in the truth of the gospel increasingly and it affects our hearts, well, it works out in patterns of heavenly wisdom. So draw on, think through, remember, recall what God has done for you in his grace, how undeserving you are, how he's picked you up, what love he has shown you, what Christ is like. Draw on the ocean, the, the gospel ocean. And as you remember that, it will increasingly infiltrate your heart and outlook. So it's, it's quite a challenging passage, isn't it? A very practical passage that we've been thinking about this evening. Cross currents of wisdom, hellish wisdom, heavenly wisdom, what they're both like, where they both lead, something to ask for, living in the light of God's truth. And just for us to finish at the end before we have our last song, I I thought it would be good to have a little time to to think and pray. And I I thought this verse 17 of chapter 3 would be a good one to have up, just for a minute or two. we, we, We prayed to the Lord we're mindful of our own life and situation and we think through some of this lovely description and pray that God may help us in that direction. So let's have a time of of private prayer before our last hymn.
Well, our closing um, hymn is also a prayer, so we can carry on in the spirit of prayer as we go to our last hymn. Oh, that the Lord would guide my ways to keep his statutes still. Oh, that my God would grant me grace to know and do his will. Shall we sing our last song? find it easy to travel through life without thinking too much about what's going on in our hearts and what's going on in our relationships and then we come across a passage like this and it makes us very thoughtful about what's going on. It makes us realise we are sinners and that actually there's a lot that's twisted about the way in which we are and operate and think and want Uh, We pray, Lord, that by your Spirit you may have graciously been at work in our hearts tonight. We thank you that there is forgiveness with you. We thank you that Jesus died for sinners. We thank you that through him we may become blameless, that he has paid our price and we're covered by his righteousness. But as we live out our lives uh, in our families, in our neighbourhoods, in our work, in our church situations. Lord, we do want to grow in righteousness, peacefulness, Christ-likeness. And so we do pray that uh, the current of heavenly wisdom may increasingly be prevailing in our lives. And we do pray for that wisdom which is first pure, then peaceable, 
gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And this we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.